thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I am really... Actually, this is a really important podcast that I've been wanting to do for a long time. I'm with Wynn Trippett Elder. Is your middle name Trippett? Legally, I guess. Yeah. Maiden name. Maiden name. Except it. Um, <laughs> Wynn is the reason I have a podcast. Just, just a little piece. No, you were the reason that I started my podcast because, I don't know, was it like four years ago? I was having a breakdown and I was like I don't know what to do with my life and you're like oh my god you have got to start a podcast because you know all these people and podcasts are about to be the next big thing and blow up and you've got to start one and I literally started one like the next day you were like what is a podcast I don't even know (laughs) exactly I love it we were like I remember we were driving I think home from west Texas and we were like stop to get food. Like I remember where we were when you and I were having the conversation on the phone. I think you were asking me about blogging and I was like, you really should do a podcast instead. That's exactly. And look at you now. So awesome. I was talking to my sister, Catherine, and I was like, I always call her when I'm having a breakdown and she's like, you need to call Wynn. She's the most famous blogger that we know. And she'll tell you how to do it. (laughs) Hilarious. Okay. So I kind of want to give a backstory about you. We grew up together. I've known you my entire life. And you have just blossomed into this beautiful mother, woman, advocate, um, and your story of becoming a mother. I just got fake lashes put on for the first time since quarantine, so I hope I don't cry. But your, um, your story of becoming a mother is one of the most beautiful stories, and I already feel like I'm going to cry. Aww. Talk to me about your journey, because I just think it is so, it's so special and unique, and I mean, I just think it's such a cool story. Well, it's so funny. I was working on my Instagram bio recently and I was telling my friend, I was like, you know, the thing that people message me about the most is fertility or adoption or IVF. I'm like, you know, my story to becoming a mother is really unique and it's not normal. It's not typical. And so, I mean, it, it, it's so true. Like, I feel like this is just the crazy story that God has written in our life over the past what year are we in? 2020? Since like 20, 2009. Um, I mean, I always wanted to be a mom, but we, Stephen and I got married young 
And we wanted to wait five to seven years. And then a couple of years into it, I was like, I really like literally almost overnight, I had the desire to become a mom. And I just felt like it was totally from God. Like, why do I, why did I just change my mind overnight? And you know, when you all of a sudden want something new, you see it everywhere. Like you want to buy a new black car and then you see black cars. You're like, everybody has a black car and I don't. It was sort of like that. And, um, I was so excited. I remember I had like a little lunch group with a couple friends. I remember telling them a lunch that week and just thinking like, because God gave me the desire, like it's just going to happen. And backstory, my mom struggled to get pregnant with me for like four or five years. Um, and I guess I always sort of maybe thought that that would be my story, but I had no idea. So we started trying and that first year of infertility and trying was like the hardest year of my life. Um, I didn't tell a ton of people that we were trying to get pregnant. Like I didn't tell my mom or my sisters, I don't think even. And so it was really lonely and isolating. And we lived in a small town where there was really nothing to do. So everybody was having babies. I remember I was in a bunko group and played bunko. <laughs> no, but I want to. It's like that dice game. Anyway, the bunko group was over one night and there, a group of us were staying, saying afterwards, and we made a list of all the people we knew that were pregnant, that we were friends with in our town. And it was like 25 people. And so it just was like, it was so hard to walk through month after month after month of wanting to get pregnant and it not happening and not knowing why and watching every, like I, I remember leaving, I was at like a triple baby shower dinner one night for three friends and I was just all happy and great at the shower. And then I left and just like ugly cried, like had to pull over at a park and like cry by myself. I just was so lonely and sad and devastated at why this thing that can so easily happen for so many people was not happening for us. And when I relate to you on that, because Michael and I struggled for a year and had two miscarriages and it's the, like you said, when the switch flips and you want to become a mother more than anything in the world, you see it everywhere. And all these people start complaining about all their pregnancy issues they're having and they can't handle all this stuff. And it's, and you're like dying on the inside. Cause you're like, do you know how much I want to feel nauseous right now? Like, even though yeah. it sucks, like you, and once you actually do get blessed to be pregnant, like you do realize pregnancy issues are for real. And like, they can knock you down to your knees, but it's just like, Oh my God, it is so devastating. And you said it perfectly isolating and lonely. And you are like, why not me? Like, what have I, why not me? Why can I not yeah. be pregnant? Yeah, it feels like I did something wrong, which is not true. I mean, but it just, it can feel that way. So we tried for a year and most of our doctors like wouldn't even talk to you about infertility or reasons or Clomid or anything until you'd been trying for a year. So I was working for this nonprofit that put on summer camp, free summer camps for at-risk youth. And it was like an all-consuming job. Like we were like out at this camp for a couple weeks in the summer. So I sort of like put trying to get pregnant on the shelf for the summer. Like I just can't even like think about it, deal with it. I had an appointment with my doctor like the week after camp was over. And the last day of camp, this girl named Katie, she was a, she was a Kappa at Baylor at the time. She was a senior. And her mom was my mentor at the time. 
And I remember we were sitting just me and her and she was like, okay, when shoot it to me straight, like you're 25, you've been married for a couple years. Why don't you have kids yet? Which sounds ridiculous, but like in the culture in Texas, in the culture we live in, like everyone was getting pregnant. And normally I would have just like made up some, you know, I've been like, Oh, we're, we don't, we're fine. But for some reason I felt compelled to really open up and tell her. And she looked at me and she was like, have you ever considered adoption? And I really had never had, I mean, I don't know if you could say the same thing, but like, we didn't grow up with like a ton of adoptive people around us. We didn't, I mean, there were people who were adopted, but we didn't know that they were adopted because they right. looked like their parents. Right. Um, it wasn't a part of how we grew up and the people that we spent time around. And so I was like, no. And she just looked me straight in the eye. I was like, well, I think you should pray. About it. I was like, pray Whoa. about it. Pray about it. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll pray about it. And I did. And like within a week, I just knew in my heart that we were supposed to adopt. Like wow. I can't explain it. And it was the same as the pregnancy. So then we went to Cabo right after with my parents and my doctor, something happened and he had to push back my appointment. So just the timing of it all was so crazy, but it was just like the pregnancy thing. All of a sudden adoption was everywhere. Like I went to a bachelorette party and the bride's future sister-in-law was like always wanted to adopt and was telling me all about it. And we went to one of Steven's best friend's weddings and Steven was in the wedding. And at the rehearsal, I will never forget. It was at Camp Lucy outside of Austin. And they were doing the rehearsal and there was a little blonde girl about six or seven and a little boy that was dark skin. And I, I had never been to Africa, but I just knew that he didn't look, he looked like he was maybe from Africa. I don't know why. And I'm talking to this little girl. Her name is Ella. I'm like, Ella, who is that? Bennett, is that your brother? Like trying to figure out who belonged to who. And she goes, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, that's my brother. And like, that was it. She didn't say he's adopted, he's from Africa. She was like, yeah, he's my brother. And I was like, dang. And I remember other people at the wedding had ties to adoption and orphanages over, it just was crazy. It was like, what, (laughs) what is happening here? It was Um, everywhere. It was everywhere and it had been nowhere. And it was just like, okay, I get the picture. And there have been a few times in my life where God has spoken so loudly. And I just feel like he's given me the, the, the gift of faith to be like, all right. Like when we moved to the town we live in now, I knew it for a year before Stephen knew. And I was like, we're supposed to move there. Where just like live? there's several things. We, when we, li- we lived in Midland and we moved to Bryan College Station in Texas about five years ago. You love so that's it? another crazy God story. Yeah, it's great. We let it's home now. But it was just one of those things. But Stephen was not on board. I don't know if you remember this. He, yeah, not, why not? What made you want to move to Bryan College Station? Oh, you want to talk about that story? That's a whole different story. I want to talk about all the stories. <laughs> I don't know. We can, what story do you want to talk about first? We can keep going with the other one and then get Let's keep going with the adoption story because okay. I'll get off track. Okay. So... Steven did not want to adopt because he just kept saying, I want to have our own kids. Yeah. Um, and we've been trying, you know, to have biological kids and to get pregnant. And so he just was so set on that. And the more I started to know and learn about adoption is like, we were all adopted, like Christ adopted us into his family. And so it's sort of this picture of like this cross, like we were adopted. And so out of that overflow of love, we adopt like, you don't just adopt because you can't have kids. You don't just adopt, like people adopt for all different reasons, but it's because we've been given so much. It's not like, oh, we rescued these poor kids. Like when people say that to me, I'm like, no, <laughs> this is not 
what that was. So I was frustrated knowing that if, if he knew what I knew about adoption, there's no way he would say no, but it just wasn't his time. Yeah. Um, it took, and it only really three months, but you know, like when you really want something, three months is like a long time. Well, I mean, and it, you do want him to come on board because it is a whole human life that you both are agreeing to take on, you know, yeah. so it's a big, yeah. big, huge deal. Yeah. Clearly I wasn't going to do it without <laughs> wanting to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I used to be a photographer and I followed this girl, Esther Havens. I don't know if you know, know who she is. She's like a humanitarian photographer. I saw she was speaking at this conference in Austin and we were already going to be in Austin for my niece's first birthday. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this conference to hear Esther. Well, it was an adoption conference. And there were all these people from our town that were going that I didn't, I like was connected to through that job at the camp. And so I ended up going to this conference. Steven did not want to go. So the first night he dropped me off. And actually we had dinner with Catherine and Willie that night to oh celebrate. I, yeah, I think we were celebrating Catherine's 30th birthday. Oh my God. And wow. We went to Matt's and we were having margaritas and like having a great time. And Catherine was one of the friends that I had entrusted with what we were going through. So she knew all about it. I was like, tell me all about the conference. Like, tell me everything. And I was like, but stop. <laughs> like, we literally, me and Steven got in the biggest fight of our whole marriage that night. And, um, like, why are you talking to people about this? Yeah. He was like, we're not doing this. I'm not going like, this is not what we're doing. Like he just was so mad. And, um, he said that he went to, like, we both sort of on our own were like first James one twenty seven that says to basically like care for the widow and the orphan. And he was like, I'll go with you today. Fine. Like, I'll just go, I'll just check it out. And just the coolest thing, um, God like really used that conference to speak to him. And basically the Holy spirit allowed him to feel what an orphan feels like their loneliness and their hurt. Um, he said he felt it for a second in worship, but he was like, we have to do this. Like we can't not do it. And that's like what I just was praying for and knew like, if he knew the heart of this, he would absolutely want to do it. So we decided that day that we were going to adopt and we decided pretty soon. I think that we were going to adopt from Africa. And again, I don't know why we had never been our mutual, really good friend. We grew up with always had a heart for Africa. And I was like, I'm not like that. I, I'm not like this big Africa person. Like I just thought that Africa and adoption or international adoption was for like super special Christians, yeah. which is so not true. Like it is not true at all. So it's just crazy. Two years later, I mean, there was like a whole thing, but the process, is it a long process? And how did you know that these were your kids, Asher and camp? Like, how did you know, like, how do you get your kids? Yeah. So we started working with at at that conference, they had like a ministry fair. And so they had a bunch of different adoption agencies there. And we just started talking to people and found our adoption agency. We actually ended up switching agencies in the middle of the process. But you, yeah, you go through a rigorous process of like, if every person had to like go through this process to have a child, there would probably be no kids in foster care. I mean, it's just like, it's so intense, like, like stacks of paperwork and home studies and just so much stuff. Um, so we were actually matched with a little boy and we told everybody we had his picture. We named him camp. Um, all this uh, stuff. Cause you've always loved camps, like summer camp. I always wanted to run my own summer camp and yeah. it was crazy that God spoke adoption to us at 
a camp that I was working for. And so it was just sort of the symbolism of he might not have an actual camp for us, but he has a sand nib camp. Oh, so love that. Yeah. So we were matched with this little boy and then, um, crazy story. His biological grandmother didn't know that he existed and she found out and she fought for him, which is awesome. Like that's what you want is like re reunification of families. And so we lost, they called a referral. We lost, so we weren't, we weren't going to adopt him anymore. And in the middle of the whole process, we had said, Hey, we're actually approved to adopt two kids. It was never our intention. We always wanted one little boy, but could we, is it possible for us to still adopt siblings and before, or not siblings, but a boy and a girl. And they were like, no. But then when we lost our referral, they were like, we're going to see what we can do. So they gave us camp and Asher referrals. We had, they were three, they're three weeks apart in age. And we had 24 hours to say yes or no. To, to camp and Asher or just to Asher? To camp and Asher, which we were always going to adopt a boy, but. I thought camp was taken away. Yeah. Well, we still named camp camp. It was just a different, <laughs> different child. Oh, 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 oh. So the original, original, the original went back with his grandmother. So then, okay, sorry, not a new then camp. They us, yes. Then they matched us with these two kids who were not biologically related. So they don't have the same moms or dads or anything. They've just been together since they were a month old in this orphanage, which is very rare to get kids. that are not related that are that young. Um, I just think it was a total God thing. And so of course we were going to say yes to camp because that's what we've been waiting for. But like basically going from zero to two kids and having twins basically was like pretty terrifying. <laughs> wow. And you probably just have so much faith involved because literally like even your first, your first pair that you're matched with yeah. son being taken away and now you have another son. It's like, you just have to trust that God is bringing you the kids that are meant for you in the situation that he's presenting because you can't control any of this. You can't, you don't know how any of it's going to play out. Yeah. You, you know, like, did you just have to have so much faith in this whole process? So we had, I had recently been on my first like international mission trip to El Salvador with our church. And we had, I remember one day we were doing like home visits. And we had walked for like an hour out in the middle of nowhere to this village. And they were telling us a story about this little kid in their village who had fallen into the river and gotten a really bad ear infection. There was no doctor, there was no medicine, there was no money for any of that. They just had to pray and believe that God was going to heal this little kid. And I remember coming home and being like, okay, America, I have access to everything. How, like asking God, like, how can I have faith to trust you when I literally have everything at my fingertips. I don't, I don't have to stay up all night praying that you're going to heal my kid from an ear infection. Like we can, right. we can do things about like that. And so it was about that time that we got camp in Asheville. And I was like, okay, I definitely cannot do this on my own. <laughs> like I, it takes faith and trust for sure. And so that, that definitely felt like the answer. So then what happened? So you get camp in Asher. Now you have two kids. And how old? Yeah. So I actually lived in Ethiopia for three months, um, and they were not in my possession yet. They were staying at like a foster home. It was basically like a home with all kids that were being adopted and a bunch of nannies and nurses. And so we brought them home in October of twenty twelve. Oh my gosh, I'm like totally losing. Yeah, twenty twelve. They were seven and eight months when they came home. 
So what was that like? What was it like living in Ethiopia? And then what was it like bringing him home and adjusting to life now? Here you go from nothing to, to twins. Oh my gosh. So we had been on a couple mission trips to Ethiopia and fall in love with this one area um, in Addis Ababa, the capital. It was, um, it's called Cora. It's in the, tra- the city trash dump area. And it sounds weird, but like I, we fall in love with, we fell in love with that place. We have like teenagers there that call us mom and dad that we've developed a relationship with over so many years, kids that we still sponsor to go to school there. And so I lived with the family who ran the ministry and we spent Monday through Friday in the trash dump doing ministry and camps and all sorts of stuff. And then on the weekends, I mean, it was sort of like we went to internet cafes and got our nails done and went to the movies and just went to church, like had a sort of a normal life on the weekend, but I loved it. It was such a cool experience. Like when else am I going to live in another country by myself? Yeah. But they came home that I wrote a blog post about this, that the trip home. So we ended up, I ended up having to come back to Texas for a couple weeks before we went back to get them. And so it was me and Steven. We literally went to Ethiopia for the weekend and we're like wearing, they're little. So we're like wearing them in the carriers, Caroline, no one told me to bring baby food. Like all I had was formula. No one was like, Oh, babies are like eating, you know, baby food out of jars or like pouches, no food. So on the plane ride home, they well both a, they both had double ear infections and we had no idea. So that is terrible and miserable, especially flying. They'd obviously never been on an airplane before. Um, Steven and I did not get to sit together because we sat like in the, the front where they have like a little bassinet. Yeah. So not joking you, I sat in the middle in between a blind man and a nine month pregnant lady. Oh my goodness. And a screaming seven month old. I remember just like standing up in the, by the bathroom, like bawling, like, I'm not a good mother. I don't know what to do. This is, everyone was staring at me like, this is terrible. And then we got food sickness on the way home. No. (laughs) Just, we were, we traveled for 37 hours to get home by ourselves with two little babies and we're like delusional. I mean, you're just, you're exhausted. We didn't sleep. We hardly ate. We got has it poisoning. that you have two humans now that you're responsible for, for the rest of your no. life? That's an overwhelming no. feeling. So the thing with adoption is like a bonding and attachment and nobody is really supposed to help you for the first couple of months. Cause you need to establish that you are their caretaker. So like nobody fed them, change their diaper, change their clothes, held them. Really. My parents came and the plan was for my mom to stay at a hotel and just come over and help. But we were so sick. It was right on the heels of Superstorm Sandy. And so there was like crazy weather. I literally don't remember the first two days home. Like I just was, it was such a blur. Yeah. <laughs> and really so much of their like little childhood years, I know through pictures and videos because just having two kids at one time is, and that we were going to physical therapy, speech therapy, like just, you know, they were developmentally delayed. And now, now we know camps on the autism spectrum. And there's just, there were so many things that we were navigating alone. I mean, we had so much support, but nobody could like actually come in and help us for a while. So it was a lot. What did you learn in that season of life? Oh my gosh. I feel like God totally grew my faith. Um, I have a sign just like this in my other room that says, and if not, he is still good. Cause I just feel like through my whole journey through fertility and adoption, it's like having to choose to believe that his plans for me are good. And that I'm like, 
he doesn't promise us anything. Like we're not promised to have kids. We're not promised to have a successful life, but he promises that he'll be with us. I learned so much about community. I learned so much about asking people for what you need and not being shy about it. Like when we got the call to go pick up Camp and Asher in Ethiopia, we had like 24 hours. We had like 36 hours to get to Ethiopia. So we basically found out and we had to leave the next morning. And I was leaving to be gone for God knows how long. I remember like sending an SOS text out to our community in Midland and being like, help. And I wish I had a picture or a video, but there were probably 30 people in that home, in our home that night, like helping me hang stuff in, in the walls and pack. And I just sat there like, what do I do? So, I mean, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to know what you need. And I just feel like my whole journey to be a mom has helped me be able to do that. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This Father's Day, shop at the Home Depot to find the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. He's the weed-fighting, hedge-trimming, leaf-blowing lord of the lawn. He sees the job, and he gets it done. Because your dad is a doer. So show him you appreciate everything he does with the tools he needs to power up his landscaping game. This Father's Day, give him the convenience and gas-like power of innovative and durable Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad does, everything he is, and everything he can be, find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. And I love what you said, community. Like, I feel like community is everything. And being in a community where you can be honest and speak your truth. And I have learned in my adult life, yes, I'm not going to share. I, I share a lot with everyone because that's just my personality and I know that's your personality too. <laughs> because I feel like it's helpful. Like I'm happy to talk about stuff I'm going through because I'm happy, I'm fine with sharing all that. But some, I do think not everyone wants to share everything all the time and that's totally great too. But I think it is so important to have friends that you, friends or family or someone that you 
can just dump and not in a way that you're trying to be this negative Nancy, just like, let me just dump all my shit on you. But like, you have to be able to dump all of your stuff out on someone who's going to give you good advice and help you and Mm -hmm. help you sort through it, get back on track, bring God into it, find the blessings. And you know, just like it, you have to have that. I feel like don't yeah. you? people that are safe and they're not sure. going to judge you and you can be honest and like, it's okay if your life isn't pretty all the time. Cause life isn't pretty all the time. A hundred million percent. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think like saying, saying things out loud that we're struggling with or that are, that's hard it really helps those things lose their power over us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yes, yes, yes. I'm struggling with anxiety in this situation. And all of a sudden saying it, I'm not like it's out in the light and I'm, I'm not with it in the dark by myself anymore because I've spoken it and I've told somebody. That is so true. So, okay. So now you have two kids at home. Yeah. So now, we got home yeah, and we, uh, the story's not even halfway over yet. <laughs> I know. About six months into the kids being home, we started talking about fertility stuff again. And we ended How up picking- are you ready to do that again? You had two kids? I mean, you are super mom. Oh my gosh. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but we had a doctor in Austin. And so for context, it's five, it was a five hour drive from where we lived. And um, so we started going to this doctor and doing, oh gosh, all the things. I don't even know. Like multiple surgeries and Clomid and IUI and- um, we actually got pregnant once on an IUI and do you want me to explain what an IUI is? Sure. Yeah. Give us a little synopsis. Inner uterine insemination. It's basically like taking my eggs and Steven's sperm and like shooting it up me. So it's different than in vitro, which I'll talk about next. And it's but quicker. You can do it like, it's in, quicker. yeah, it's not like you don't have to do all the shots and stuff before, right? Like you do. I think we did some, but it's not, yeah, it's not, it's we not did a couple IUIs. I feel like it's not nearly as um, taxing. I mean, it's taxing, but not nearly yeah. as taxing as in vitro. Yeah. Right? So we actually got pregnant on one. I was supposed to go in for blood work on a Saturday to find out if it worked or not. And I did. And they never called me to tell me the results. And I was just dying. And we were actually at the lake with our best friends from Midland who had walked through all of the stuff with us. And so I snuck out, I didn't even tell Steven, I snuck out and went to town and went to the gas station and bought a pregnancy test and went in the bathroom and took the pregnancy test and it was positive. Like I literally had like a baby bottle top that I like stuck the, the thing in to the pregnancy test. And I remember I went to the grocery store and got champagne and sparkling grape juice. And we told them all that night and we drove to Waco and told my parents and we told Steven, like we were so excited. And they called me on Sunday. They were like, you're pregnant, but your numbers are not looking great. And so I kept having to go back for blood work and it went down and down and down. And so we lost that pregnancy and I had That's somebody saying feeling like, I know that I know that like, God, that makes me want to cry. I know that feeling. Like, how did that make you feel? Like, what did, how did you walk through that? Well, it was really sad. Somebody close to us, um, said pretty immediately, Oh, I bet you had a chemical pregnancy. I had that with right the month before I had so-and-so it was fine. So I think I didn't give myself permission to grieve for a while to think like this was a miscarriage and this is devastating. And the loss of like what could have been when we've been trying for so long, like it just was, it was so 
heartbreaking. And then it just felt like that whole, I'm alone. And why is this happening for everybody else and not me? And I think a couple of my friends were pregnant at that same time too. So it's just a reminder of like, okay, their pregnancy succeeded and mine didn't. And it was really sad, but it, I, I wasn't able to really grieve it until, oh gosh, I wish I knew the timeline, like six or eight months later, hmm. um, right before we started, IV, right before we moved on to IVF. Um, now I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So I'm like, go, go, go do all the things. I literally, just for context, right before we did IVF, I go to Atlanta, Georgia for this adoptive mom's retreat. I leave from Atlanta the day after the retreat to lead a blogger trip to Uganda. I am there for how long? A week, 10 days. I don't know. Come back from Uganda, go immediately to speak at a conference. Wait, are the kids with you or are they staying with Steven when you go? No, the kids are with Steven. This is like the first time I had left them since we brought them home. So then I came, then I went straight to speak at this conference, this like women's conference. And I was leading a small group. And the last day they ended up leading me because I was like a hot mess. Like it just, somebody said something. Oh, it was my mentor. One of my mentors, Casey from Baylor. She had had several miscarriages and she said something. I wish I remembered the quote right now, but about like, basically it gave me permission to really grieve and to like call it what it was. And I think in that moment, I just, I finally was able to like really break down and feel it. And I'm such a huge believer and we can't like stay in that sadness and that darkness, but we have to go there to then like get, get past it. it to get out of it. You have to, you have to give it acknowledgement you can't yeah you can't deny it you have to like let it be what it is how did you after this is what you are just so capable of so much at one time how did you even think to start trying for a baby when you had two kids like I was so I am just coming out of the woods with Sunny but I guess she's eight months now and so your camp and Asher were eight and eight months when you got them yeah. So they're a little more capable. So now by the time you're trying, they're a little bit more like sturdy. And by the time you're trying for a kid, were they like one or like, yeah, they were over once. Okay. That makes sense. One. So you're like, okay, they're like just, little humans. Yeah. I had wanted that for so long. And you know, I have a lot of adoptive mama friends who don't have any biological kids and they don't have a desire to anymore, but I always still had that desire. Yeah. And I was tempted to feel shame over that for a while. But then I was like, no, like this is a desire of my heart and I'm not going to give up on pursuing it. So no, I don't think you should feel shame. I just didn't know how you were going to oh, yeah. handle all these kids at one time. I don't, know. <laughs> I, don't know I don't know. I think probably I was uh, probably some of it was fear. Like I'm getting older and I want to like do this while I can. But we did, we went to this whole IVF. We, me and the kid, me, the kids lived with my parents in Waco for like eight weeks or something while I drove to Austin basically every other day for blood work and exactly, that was probably a really sweet time that they got to bond with their grandparents it was really sweet it was and I could do that I was running my own photography business at the time they weren't in school so it was like we could just do that um but the we did we transferred an embryo on Easter Sunday my 30th birthday and I'm like this is like the perfect time for God to show off like what, you know, the start of a new decade and it's Easter and it's like Easter is my favorite holiday and all these things. And it didn't work. And I was devastated, just like devastated. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it. I, I can't, I don't have the energy 
or stamina to keep to keep going for this. So for two years, we did nothing. And in the middle of that, we moved from where we were to where we are. So that's another cool God's free. Um, we've been in Midland for seven, almost seven years. And about the six year mark, we felt like our time was coming to an end because we moved there for Steven's job in the oil and gas industry after we had spent a year and a half with Catherine and Willie and our whole crew in Austin. And I hated Midland when we first moved there. Um, but grew to love it so much, just built the sweetest community there. We just felt like our time there was done and we didn't know what we were going to do. We weren't going to just like pick a city on a map. We wanted to feel like called somewhere. And, um, I was with my sister, Rachel, for her birthday in um, Dallas. And this guy was like church. We had met this guy at, um, we met this guy at a sandwich shop in Waco at Thought when we had been there one time. And we started talking to him. His oldest was adopted. So he was asking us all about Camp and Asher. And um, he told us he was a pastor at the village. Well, then like six months later, I'm at the village and this guy's preaching. And I knew he was like a youth pastor. So I'm like, why is he preaching? It was church planner Sunday. And he was talking about going back to his hometown of Bryan, Texas, to that God had called him to declare and demonstrate what God had done for him. And I, that day, just like adoption, I was like, we're supposed to move to Bryan to be a part of that guy's church plan. Really? That day. Yes. I like Texas Stephen. His church with him? Yeah. Yeah. Is it awesome? Yeah. We've been through a whole lot of crap, but it's, it's taught us so much, like what but it's just heard? crazy. Like a year, exactly, exactly a year later, God spoke about us moving here to Stephen. And within four months, we had sold our house and moved and we're here. So when so, you say God speaks to you, what is, I always love to know how God speaks to people. Like when, what is God doing when he speaks to you? How do you know he's speaking to you? What does it feel like? Is it audible? Is it just a feeling? Does he like show you signs? Like what is God speaking to you? So not audible. Um, it's just like a feeling I have. And I like with the adoption thing, I don't know. I was, I was reading this book, which sort of made me think about it. And then I'd see all these people. I feel like he uses people. He uses scripture. He uses experiences before that day at the church. I had been like watching a video of people who were like living with big, full, bold faith. And it, that had really encouraged me. So it feels like there's always like, things leading up to this thing. But I can only say, I can only say that that has happened a couple of times in my life, but when it has, it's been like super profound. And I always want to just believe like, okay, God, like this makes no sense. I don't know why we're going to move to Bryan College Station. We don't work for this church. We don't have jobs there. We don't really have any friends there. I mean, Stephen went to college here, but that was so long ago. The guy you met in a sandwich shop. Yeah. We met him in a sandwich shop. So like who freaking knows why, he was driving, we were, he was just passing through town. Like he wasn't even, he was going somewhere else. They just stopped for lunch. But so he just, like something about his energy resonated. So what was the experience moving to Brian? What has that been like? Um, it was awesome. At first we got plugged into this church and I got plugged into like a really strong group of women who were all leading in their own capacity, just like badass, Jesus loving, really cool, fun women. We met every week for a while. We'd have wine and stay up till one in the morning on a Monday night, like talking and praying in life and all this stuff. And I loved it. And then shit hit the fan. <laughs> like, I don't know, somebody moved and there was a breach in trust here. And there was a breakup relation, not, not a marriage relationship, but like a friend, just hard stuff that we walked through. 
And I've never walked through, this is also a very transient town. Like people are coming and going a lot. So I've never, yeah, but I mean, adults, like even people our age, um, I've never lost. And one since there are some that I've like genuinely lost their friendship for hard reasons. And a lot of them it's because they've moved, but I've never lost so many friends as I have living here the past five years. But our church has, it's a smaller church and it's just, it teaches me so much about grace. Like it's like not like an all prim and proper, you have to show up and dress up and like put on a front. It's like, come as you are. We're like, call ourselves like a ghetto church. Like it's just full of a bunch of imperfect people that are trying to love each other and love God. And it's just, we're just like a hot mess most of the time, but it's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Cause then you can just be real. Cause life is a hot mess. And I think if we learn anything in 2020, it's that we don't have control over anything. Like the world is, I mean, what in the world is going on in the world right now? It's the world is a hot mess. And like, everybody yeah. is like just being raw and real because we're all just like being broken down to this bare level. And it's like, I ain't trying to be perfect. I can't be perfect. Like, I don't want to be perfect. I don't want that responsibility to be perfect. I don't want to put that responsibility on anyone else to be perfect. I just need yeah. to be able to be real. So I love that. That's yeah. amazing. So then tell me yeah. what happened because obviously we have, you have rivers. Yes. And we so, have another baby on the way. Yes. So when we moved here, um, my shortly after we moved here, my sister, Rachel, who is not married or have kids, but she had been going to my, this doctor in Dallas for like endocrine, like thyroid stuff, but he was a reproductive endocrinologist. So infertility specialist. And she's like, I really think you should call Dr. Marinick. And I don't know, there's something about sisterly, like you trust your sister. Like you're like, okay, if some random Joe on the street told me that I'd be like, thank you for the advice, but it's your sister. So you're like, okay. Unless you go to the sandwich shop and then you move to Brian and you said, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I called this doctor and we went and set up an appointment and the first meeting we had with them, we didn't even look at my files. We talked for an hour. He had to hear all about our story. Um, he just was this kind, gentle, like, let's not jump to surgery and fixing you, but let's get to the root of what's going on with your body and let's get your body ready to be able to carry a pregnancy. And he, um, was able to use, so we had embryos from our doctor in Dallas. So when you do in vitro fertilization, I can't do like a science lesson, but you end up with embryos. So that's like your, you and your husband's stuff together. And like we transferred one straight into me, but then the rest were frozen. So we had four frozen embryos and this doctor in Dallas, Austin, Dallas, 300 miles apart from each other or 200 miles. Um, was willing to use these embryos. So Caroline, they were fed X'd from Austin to Dallas. Your children, your unborn children yes. were fed X'd from yes. Austin to Dallas. Yes. Terrifying day. <laughs> like, did anybody sign for those? When are they there? Can you please call me immediately? It was really crazy. So we so went I through this whole thing that most clinics wouldn't take embryos from somewhere else because they need them in their frozen. Yeah. Most, most doctors want to have more control. They want to know exactly as much as they can about the embryos. They want to have more control over the whole process. And he was willing to use them. And so we're like, okay, he has an amazing team. He's at Baylor in Dallas. And, um, we about 
on one day off of one year from our first meeting, we had rivers. So did you, the first embryo that you put in, it worked? So they put in two embryos and we got pregnant with just her. So yeah. You had two embryos left. So we lost one embryo along the way. And I can't remember if it was in Austin or if it was in Dallas, but they don't all survive being flawed, you know, being thawed out. Like that's just sort of a part of it. But before we had started the IVF process, you know, cause it's a scary thing when you do IVF, you sign all these forms because that's life that you're dealing with. So you have to say like, if we get divorced, who gets those? If we both die, who gets the embryos? If oh, I was just nuts. And so like my heart was not to have to decide, Oh, I have 12 extra embryos. What am I going to do with them? We just trusted that God was going to give us the embryos that we needed. So we had one left. So and rivers. And I wanted to ask you, do you, because uh -huh. I have other friends who have done IVF and a lot of them struggle with the moral dilemma of the embryos. Like these are unborn children. What do we do? Do we leave them in this freezer? Do we get rid? Do we, I don't know what you do with them when you decide you're finished having babies. Like, how do yeah. you, like, is, am I discarding of life if I don't use them? Like, I mean, did you struggle with that? Yeah. I mean, that's why I said, what I was trying to say was we just trusted that God was going to give us what we needed. And he totally did because through losing two, well, three, basically having rivers. And then we had one left. And so we started going back to Dr. Marinick last June. So almost a year ago and going through the whole process again. And we transferred only one. Okay. So when you do IVF, they grade your embryos like A, B, C, D, A plus, like whatever. There's this whole system they use to grade the quality of the embryo. So this embryo was the lowest quality of all of them. So I was sort of like, what does that mean? Like, is this kid not going to be pretty or smart? Or like, what does it mean that they're like the lowest quality embryo? And he, of course, told me this story about one of his patients who's like my age and beautiful and successful and how she was like the lowest quality embryo. What does that and she mean, like, the lowest quality embryo. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they know. I, just all the cells and who knows? Very too sciencey, way over my head. Um, my impression was always like, what are your best chances of it working? And that the lower ones maybe weren't as great of a chance. So we transferred on Martin Luther King day, January 20th. And we found out on camp's birthday, January 29th, if it worked or not. And we were freaking nervous wreck. Cause you go and you get, I didn't do the home test before most people do, but I didn't want to. So we did the blood work and then they were just like waiting for hours for the nurses to call you and tell you if you're pregnant or not. So I'm like, I, I can't eat. I'm like a nervous wreck. I have my phone, like volume turned all the way up, vibrate, like in my hand the whole time, like just waiting for them to call. And we were on the way home, uh, almost back home. And they called and both the nurses at the same time scream, you're pregnant. It was just like <laughs> uh, the best feeling. And I just, I felt like I knew that it was going to work. Steven thought it was more of a Hail Mary. Um, but I'm like, I always, we always wanted to have a big family. And so now pregnant with baby number four, it's crazy. And now on top of it all, you're pregnant during the coronavirus and quarantine. What has that been like? Cause doctor's appointments are nuts and everything's different. I mean, have, have you just, how have you navigated all that? 
Yeah, I actually wrote a post about this on Instagram today because my friend this morning was like, how is it being pregnant during, she called it the Hunger Games, <laughs> during coronavirus. So when we were going to Dr. Marinick, um, Stephen still came with me to every appointment. Our last appointment with, with him was sort of at the beginning of all of this. But he, he legit, once I moved to my provider in town, not in Dallas, um, he legit hasn't even met her. Like he has not gotten to come with me to any of my midwife appointments. Um, didn't get to come with me to my ultrasound. He won't get to come with me to my big anatomy ultrasound. The first one was really scary. I switched from going to an OB to a midwife and a totally new provider. And he's usually with me, like taking the notes and helping me remember my questions that I wanted to ask. And just for like moral and emotional support. So that first time was scary. But um, I'm grateful. I have a couple of good friends that are pregnant right now too, and they're going through the same thing. So it's been nice to get to support each other. So through all of your journey, what is your take on? I don't even know what I what I want to know what I, what the word is. I mean, like, what is your take on family? What is your yeah. take on the point of all of this? Like, what is your take on? navigating life and trusting your intuition like what is your take on it well what i think is crazy is rivers and this baby which is a girl um they were embryos together like they were frozen together for years and now rivers has been alive for over three years which is nuts like science is so crazy and out of all out of my three kids i currently have none of them are biologically related to each other like none of them have the same genetics the same blood like none of it and it's sort of freaking me out in the best way that i'm going to have two kids that potentially look like each other and are related that are like biologically related to each other um but i think this whole thing is like family is not blood family is not genetics family is built in so many different ways and I think this is just a story that God had for our family. And I honestly, like, I, I can't believe I haven't said this while we've been talking, but if things would have happened when I wanted them to, in my plan, we wouldn't have Kim Asher. We probably wouldn't have rivers. Like if I would have just gotten pregnant when I wanted to, and there's just a whole slew of stories of things that adoption and infertility have opened my eyes to and made me passionate about and connected me with people all over the world. And some of my favorite friends, I probably never would have known because we connected over adoption or infertility. And so I wouldn't trade any of it for the world, even though it's been like the hardest thing. It's the most beautiful thing. I read this memoir a couple years ago. Um, now I'm going to forget the name of it. <laughs> I'll have to text you the name of it, but it's this adopted mom oh, the lucky few, the lucky few, Heather Avis. And she calls her kids her wildflowers and they're adopted. Several of them have special needs. And she says, because they required her to be a different kind of wild than she would have been on her own. And oh, the first time wow. I heard that, I cried because I'm like, that is how I feel. Like these kids of mine, like only God could they have been in my life. And they have required me to be a different kind. I actually have a, I don't know if you can see it. I have a wildflower tattoo from that quote. All my kids have their own wildflower and that's what I call them just because it's been the most beautiful journey. And we just as parents, like we're our kids guides, like they don't belong to us. We don't have control, but we have, they've been given to us to, to love and to raise and we've been entrusted with them. And this is the biggest, the biggest gift. It's something that I think was so cool. And you talked about it, but I just want to reiterate it again. 
Rivers and this child that you're carrying right now were conceived at the same time. Their embryos yes. were made at the same time, but now they're going to be how many years apart in age? Three and a half. Isn't that nuts? It's so crazy. We really thought we were having, I thought we were having a boy and I love girls. I mean, I'm one of three, three girls and we always wanted a brother, but I think I just convinced myself that I wasn't going to get to have another girl. I just thought we were going to have a boy. And so at our gender reveal, we did a COVID gender reveal. Like our friends stood in the street and I passed out hand sanitizers as party favors. It was hilarious. So you didn't know my, what embryo was? No, we didn't know. We did not do that genetic testing before. And so we didn't know. So I found out, we all found out together. Like I had somebody come and take pictures and my face is just like. Like when you had Rivers, you didn't know Rivers was a girl. Y'all just put an embryo in, the, uh, the healthiest yeah. embryo in. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What is motherhood? Yeah, so no, what is motherhood taught me? Yeah. Motherhood is the most sanctifying. <laughs> it's the most sanctifying thing in the world. Like you have to be selfless. And you know, my kids teach me so much about grace and patience, but also like laughter and fun. And I just, I want to raise kids that know who they are, that are confident in who they are, that like us, that like being together and I just getting to establish our own family stuff has been my favorite. Just so fun. What are some of the family things that y'all do that you love the most? Oh man. Well, we have a pool right now. And so we just, I don't know. I feel like just laughing and we have so many kitchen dance parties. Um, really just like putting the technology away and having fun. We love to go. We have, you know, we go to all the same vacation spots and have all of our same traditions and just we're, we like tradition. I love tradition. Yeah. Oh, I love that win. What do you want to tell mamas out there who are struggling to get pregnant, who are thinking about adoption? What do you want to tell women who are in, who are in the big thick of the wilderness right now? Yeah. Um, just, I just always want women to know that they're not alone, like whatever they're going through. And maybe you don't share with the world like Caroline or I would, but maybe you share with one or two really close friends really what you're going through and how you're feeling and just being able to trust somebody with that because like we need each other. We need to walk this walk together and um, not feel alone. And I think my biggest thing is just like, don't give up. Like, I feel like so many people spoke that into me and for a while. I was like, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what I can't control what's going to happen, but I think never losing hope and not giving up and like keeping your mindset healthy and positive is so huge in this journey. And I mean, also just like, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Like every mom I talk to, I mean, you probably feel the same way. Like any mom I've talked to that I've shared our miscarriage story or whatever have been like leaned in, you know, like, I'm so sorry that you're going through that because there's something like my mom always says, you don't get it till you live it. And so being able to connect with people that have walked through what you're going through, I think is really special. What is the biggest blessing of adoption? So much. I mean, I think it's amazing that from the very first day we met Camp and Asher, their little personalities, you know, we're taking video so we, we, you can hear what we're saying. The things that we said about them on day one, 
are still the same things about their personality and like their character traits now, which is so cool. It just shows me that like God makes all of us and who we are, like regardless of where we grew up or what our circumstances were and who our parents were like, they're still those same people. I love that. Um, you know, I grew up, I have brown eyes and I hated having brown eyes growing up because everybody else with blonde hair had blue eyes, but it's so amazing now because Cupid and Asher have brown eyes and it's something that we relate to. Like we look like we look like we have matching eyes, but they have just opened our, open our eyes and our worlds to so many things that we are passionate about. So many different causes, so many different ministries, so many different things in Africa and just connected me with so many other adoptive families just around the world. It's amazing. I love that. Oh, Lynn, your story is amazing. So I always wrap up every podcast with leave your light. And we've, you've been so inspiring this whole time. And I kind of just already asked you this, but just to wrap it up, what do you want people to know? Okay. Something that I feel like I preach to my people a lot is just this idea that you are worthy. Like whatever it is that you are going for, if you're trying to have a family, if you're trying to start a business, if you're trying to be friends with your neighbor, if you're like, whatever you're trying to do in your life, just knowing your worth and knowing that you are worthy of whatever it is you want and not like holding yourself back, but knowing your true worth, knowing your identity, knowing your value. And I just like, I just, I just see so many women, we struggle with this so much. And so I, I leave, I leave so many, I leave so many conversations with women just saying like, looking them in the eye, like you are worthy. And I want you to believe that. So. I love that. Nice. Lynn, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for your beautiful heart. I cannot wait to meet this new baby girl. Oh my gosh. I know. They won't be that far apart in age. Sunny and little sunny and baby. Whatever. And you have yeah. it picked out, but you're not sharing it, right? Yeah, because it's not like 100% yet. I'm just, I'm nervous to commit. When did you tell people that her name was Sunny? When she was born or before? Well, I'm one of those people that can't keep a dang secret to save my life. So as soon as Michael and I decided we were naming her Sunny Grace and Hobby, and I'm like you, I have a million best friends. And so I'm like, okay, I'll just tell this person because they're like my best friend. And like, and then I'll tell this person because we're like super close. And then by the time I was done, I told like a hundred people. And then I'm finally like, well, why don't I just do a freaking Facebook post? Because I already told everyone in the world what her name is. <laughs> but Sounds like, familiar. Listen, we're not telling anybody, but her name is Sunny Grace and Hobby. And I said that to like a hundred people. <laughs> now, listen, I think that's, that's how I was. That's how I was. That's how I was with Rivers. <laughs> I didn't ever officially announce it till she was born, but like everyone who was remotely friends with me knew her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, well, it's been so fun to get to watch your podcast just grow and evolve and change over the past couple of years. I'm just so proud of you and all the work that you put into the world. And it's, it's, it's so I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm so, so proud of how you're finally on it. Do you feel a sense of pride that you are the reason I have my podcast? You should. <laughs> you should. No, I just, I love it. I love encouraging women and their passions. Like that is so much of my heart. And I want to see women succeed in whatever it is that they love and are passionate about. And so it just makes me so happy. I'm like, oh, it works. What I tell, what, how I encourage people, they, some people actually listen. It's great. <laughs> You changed my life that day, Wynn. Like, seriously, you changed my life that day. And like, like you said, God has led you. I think 
for whatever reason I was led to you and you had such a definitive answer for me that a podcast is what I needed to do. There's no question about it. And I was like, okay. And I was like ready to receive direction and I received it from you. And the next day I got all the equipment and here I am four years later. There you are. But you had that confidence and belief in yourself and not a lot of people have that. So give yourself some credit. Well, I appreciate you and I love you, Lynn, and I'll be praying over this little baby and your family. And um, um, don't hang up. I'm going to hang. I'm going to end this recording, but don't hang up. But I love you so much. And thank you for sharing your beautiful story. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Women, like women, like you're such an encouragement. I love your family. Like you have, you have, you're like Lauren and Thomas Rhett Aikens. Like they have biological children. They have, they've adopted a child. And it's just like, I love that you build your family the way that feels right to you, that you feel called to do. And there's all different ways to have a perfect, beautiful family. And I just love that you are that example showing the way. Thanks. Okay. Bye, Wynn. Bye. Don't hang up. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team ranking as a top culinary destination in the world be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.